finally worked smoothly. Uh, you've heard the music. You know the intro track. This is the Home Run the Jewels uh, Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by the so-called FantasyExperts.com. I am Travis Pastor. On the line, we have Stefan Zonia. Stefan, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful, Travis. Ready for an uh, exciting night of talking baseball prospects. I know. With all, with all the massive uh, upheaval going on on everybody's prospects list, I had to get our prospect guy, Stefan, on the phone. Uh, just figure out what the hell's going on. Um, <laughs> we, need to figure, we need to figure out, A, if they're going to be any good and useful for us. B, uh, how good they can be, and see, are there any left even in the minor leagues, or is it just barren? It's just all <laughs> completely useless players still stuck down there. Um, but first, why don't you you know, do the usual thing, shout out your Twitter, where the people can find you, and we'll uh, sure. get into uh, it. You can, you can reach me at I am Stefan Zonia on Twitter, and uh, I'm constantly chopping up prospects on there. Um, obviously, we've gotten a lot of questions about, you know, is this prospect somebody I should drop for this established major league player and, and so on and so forth. Um, and that's always the exciting and interesting thing is that, you know, these prospects do well in the minors and, and people get really ramped up for them. And uh, uh, now we're seeing the next wave of uh, fantasy, the fantasy elite. Yeah, it's been very interesting. Uh, we were just talking before we got on about how many just have been called up like in the month of June. I am just checking the, the team I care most about for fantasy baseball. And I have three or four prospects like playing main roles on my team. I can't remember a year where I've had more than one. Um, right. And this is like a 15-team league, so it's not like I'm just, you know, Carlos Correa is not out there on the wire for me. But right. It's been pretty fun. Um, last year, I can't even remember who got called up. It's just completely – I mean, Javier Baez got called up, and he kind of floundered. Right. Uh, John Baez Singleton was, didn't do great. Yeah, the last last year was really not very interesting as far as uh, as the minor prospects go. But, I mean, the exciting thing about this, and you just referenced in a 15-team league, and the exciting thing about these prospects is that you know, they are an opportunity to really improve your team where in a 15-team league, you know, the major leaguers, the waiver wire has been picked over so bare that there there are rarely difference makers to be had. And, and now, you know, people are having an opportunity to make it pick, you know, add a guy that could potentially change the outlook for their team. Yeah, I missed out on Carlos Correa I'm with a, a bid 51, and he went for 57. Um so I, I I got Francisco Lindor as a backup. He's not Carlos Correa, but I'm, you know, I guess that's good. But let's get into just how good we can expect these guys to be. Um, the which which prospecting? I guess you probably go off of yours. Who was your top prospect coming into the year? Was it Buxton or Correa? Are we we're talking about for fantasy purposes or like real life yeah, baseball purposes? We'll go uh, real life baseball purposes. Who cares about that? Defense be damned. <laughs> Defense be damned. Right. Fantasy baseball. Uh, I mean, for me, for me, for fantasy baseball purposes, it was easily Correa. Um, part of that is position eligibility. So obviously, yeah. when you when you get a guy putting up the numbers that he's capable of um, at short. 
you know, that is crazy. I mean, crazy, crazy, impressive. But, you know, one of the things that we weren't sure about when this season started was whether he would make it up this year. Um, yeah. And, you know, part of it, it that, didn't, that didn't impact my outlook. You know, I still thought he was one of the top, if not the top guy to own in a dynasty league or a keeper league. But the, I mean, the, the question was, would, would he make enough of an impact as a 20-year-old in the minor leagues to make it up this year? And, of course, he got helped a little bit by the injury to Jed Lowry. I mean, that kind of opened the door yeah. to a mediocre shortstop platoon for the Astros. But, <laughs> I, I mean, this guy is absolutely on fire. He stole three bases today. I mean, he is an unbelievable player. Well, that hurts. He stole three bases. That's just uh, – I should have bit all of my fabs. <laughs> I should have just went for it. Uh, but, yeah, I sort of agree with your assumption on Correa. And similarly with Buxton, when we get to him, I really never thought either of them were going to make it up this year, or if they did, it'd be in September. Uh, so this is pretty – I don't know if it's uncharted territory, but if, like since I've been playing in these deeper leagues where, you know, a Carlos Correa can make a big difference, I've never – I can't remember a time when a guy came up sort of this unexpectedly. Um, but man, I'm just reading over some of his potential stuff. Like he, he looks like he could be like Seattle Mariners a Rod if everything breaks right. Is that uh? I mean, Tom, you could you could make. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think that he his profile is at this stage in their career is very similar. Um. Now I don't know that he has the the necessarily going to fill out you know in the way that A Rod filled out you know his, he kind of converted his body type a little bit to become a more muscular guy and yeah uh, that certainly helped with his power numbers and longevity um, it's hard to really predict um, but I, what I will say and of course you know small sample size be damned but through ten games now Correa's uh, full season pace is. 48 home runs and 64 steals. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is this is a guy who has a legitimate shot at being a 30-30 guy. Yeah, that's and for being that young, that's something that's impressive. Uh, just it just shows the raw skill set he has because he only played, um, if I'm not mistaken, like like in 20 or so games in AAA. I know he was demolishing AA when the right. season started and then they brought him up to triple A and then they pretty quickly bounced him on up to the majors. Um, but yeah, I, I think Correa definitely would have been my top prospect on the list over Buxton. Um, I know a lot of Buxton's value is defense. I mean, well, Buxton obviously is five to a player, but uh, Correa just, you know, something about him, man, that swing is very pretty. And um, they're, yeah. batting him, they're batting him, what, second? Behind George Springer and in front of Preston Tucker, I guess. But yeah, still, but, I mean, the offensive environment is wonderful. Um, you know, he he's more than capable defensively, so you're not worried about any, you know, non-fantasy relevant uh, things sidetracking him and costing him playing time. And, you know, this is a guy that next year in, you know, single season leagues. I mean, he's he's going to be consideration as a second third round player because of the massive upside that he has in his position. Yeah, you don't usually find steals and home runs in the same spot. Um 
but I think we've, you know, it's pretty well established Carlos Correa is the man. Uh, yeah. So, on to his uh, competition for the top spot on most people's um, rankings is Byron Buxton. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll admit, I'm not nearly as knowledgeable about Buxton as Correa, just because Buxton was or was playing in high A, I think, for most of the season before he got bumped up a level. Um, it was uh, double A. Double A. Okay, so he was in double A the whole season, but still. I never thought this guy was coming up this year. He was hurt right. for a lot of last year. I figured they'd give him a whole, or at least the majority of the season to, uh, maybe not mature, but just like get back in the swing of things of playing a full season. But, damn, they brought him up fast. Maybe it's because they're, you know, contending and they're outfield with a platoon of Shane Robinson and Jordan Schaefer, which right. is probably like as bad as you can get. Um, but what uh, what can we expect from Buxton this year? What are you what are you seeing his uh, fantasy value look like? Well, so Buxton is a very different case um, for me because while he's he's very fast, um, there's no question about that. He there's a couple things that are working against him that that Correa uh, is not dealing with. First, um, I do expect that he'll eventually. Uh, hit higher in the lineup. So right now the Twins are hitting him ninth, which of course is a position that kills your fantasy value. Um, you know, most of that is probably just to take pressure off of him as he acclimates to majors. Um, yeah. So I do suspect that they'll eventually move him higher up in the, the lineup. But but what remains is that this is a guy who has had some contact issues um, rear their head occasionally in, in his minor league career. So. Um, you know, his double-A numbers, you know, he hit 279 in, in his uh, two seasons in double-A, which is fine, uh, but when you when you kind of expect a regression with each, um, you know, each promotion, then, you know, 279 in double-A doesn't necessarily leap off the page at you. And yeah. then, you know, he skipped triple-A altogether. So, you know, he's going up two classes, Um Certainly, the early returns look like he is overwhelmed a bit at the plate. Uh, his speed is on display, so I would expect that you probably get a decent contribution in stolen bases from him, but I wouldn't necessarily expect his power to manifest uh, in the majors this year. And, and you know, early returns indicate he might struggle a little bit with batting average. So you're looking at a guy who, you know, is still rosterable um, as a source of steals in the outfield, but, you know, not – one of the questions that I got on Twitter uh, when he got called up is, uh, would I drop Billy Burns for Buxton in a single-season league? So not keeper just this year. And I said, absolutely not. I'd much rather have Billy Burns for just this year. And I think that they have comparable profiles, but, you know, Burns is hitting leadoff. Um, he's hitting. And, you know, so I would I would feel more comfortable with him on my team than Buxton. Yeah, I think that's a good point you made about the single season versus keeper. Um, Buxton has not, you know, taken to the major leagues as quickly as some of his uh, fellow prospects like Chris Bryant or Correa or even Addison Russell. Um, But I think if you have him in a keeper league where you can keep him for next year, that's going to be really enticing because once he sort of adjusts, Hopefully the Twins will leave them up for the whole time. I can't with, with these super prospects. I can't see these guys bringing them up 
I guess, a fill-in for an injury guy and sending them back down unless they really, really struggle. Right. Um, right. With, and with his defense, I think they're going to keep him, keep him up because target field is massive. So exactly. they have to, they need somebody out there, and they don't have you know strikeout pitchers. They have pitch to contact pitchers. Um, right. Yeah, but no if question. he if he shows that you know he he can he adjusts to the breaking stuff and he adjusts to the speed of the game, and he he could be a type of guy that going out of this season and going into next year his, I mean obviously he's the number one prospect on a lot of people's like uh, lists, but his fantasy value could be trending up and he could be the hot guy that's going for. I don't know, like $30 in a standard auction draft, $30, $40. The same thing with Jock Peterson, like from this past year. Um, mm-hmm. But Byron Buxton, I, I don't have him in any leagues. I didn't try it. Like I said before, I tried to get Correa for a lot of cash. Didn't end up getting him um, in fab bidding. I stayed away from Buxton. I just think you can get sort of his, if you need steals, maybe go after him. But I was not. He still just seems a little scrawny to me. I don't know if that's that's not like a real scout term, but just from 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 watching him play a little bit, I'm like, like Correa doesn't look out of place in the minors. He looks like he could, should have been playing. He could have played though, like for the last year and a half. Buxton looks right. a little like uh, he looks like a tweener. Buxton looks like a young Denard Span right now, which is another Twins, uh, you know, minor league system guy. And, you know, I, I actually think, I mean, he they, they play a similar style. Uh, Buxton clearly has a, a more established power uh, track record. But, uh, you know, early on, Spain was a speed guy. And, uh, you know, his his batting average when he was younger uh, was pretty low. And, you know, he, he worked on it and, and, and worked his way up with it. And I think Buxton will take a, a pretty similar uh, trajectory. Yeah, I mean... And one day he's going to be pretty freaking awesome, but right yeah. now maybe not worth uh, you know going after him. Uh, so I just pulled up. I usually go off of baseball prospectus prospect list, and it looks like the player still left is Lucas Giolito, Corey Seager, Dylan Bundy. But like out of the top twenty, I think like fifteen of them have been called up. Just going back to <laughs> yeah. how how ridiculous this season is. Um, so, we went over the two big guys. Uh, who, let's, whose call-up was most surprising to you outside of Correa or, or Buxton? Um, did anybody sort of catch you off guard? Or, or? Uh, surprising? Uh, I, I guess I was kind of surprised, just talking most recently, that uh, that the Cubs made a move for Schwarber to, to pull him up and and I know that uh, they've already sent publicly that once the interleague's over, they're sending him back down. But um, I really didn't expect that we would see him this year, uh, just given the sheer volume that the Cubs themselves have called up from their minor leagues. I thought that Schwarber was a guy that we probably wouldn't get to see until next year. But, hey, they called him up uh, for spot duty, and he's been impressive. I mean, he, he was raking it the other day. So, uh you know, he, that's a little glimpse into the future, and I do think that they're still going to send him down. Um, but man, he looks—he looks like he's the real deal. Yeah, uh, that guy killed it. I, he, his first hit was a triple, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, and for four for, for a six. big for for a big guy, that's kind of pretty impressive. Um, and yeah, I think they'll probably send him back down. 
not because of his production or anything, probably more because they don't have anywhere to put him, but two, right. they really want him to be a catcher, and he doesn't, right. he isn't the best, uh, you know, I guess, at pitch framing or throwing out right. runners. His, I mean, his defense is not particularly good. It's, so that that is the thing that, you know, again, we don't care about it for fantasy purposes, but it's the thing that he, he's going to have to get figured out before he finds regular at-bats. Yeah, because it's not like they're uh, – they have anywhere they could stick him on the diamond. They have right. Rizzo at first. They have Soler in the outfield. Who's in the left field there? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a crowd. Uh, left, oh, who's their left fielder? I know they have Fowler in center. I can't think of their left fielder. Maybe they could play him in left. Yeah. I think I think I, I think it might be Chris Coughlin. Um, Coughlin, yep, that's exactly right. Past rookie of the year, um, yeah. most random rookie of the year, but still, they could. I think I saw they say he might come up in September and play left field. But for us fantasy owners, we want him behind the plate because that catching yeah. position is probably only goes five deep with guys you, you know, are really, really offensively gifted, and if you can get. I really and he went to Indiana. He was really good all three years. I think he was there. He yeah. killed it in minor league last year, so he hasn't seemed to have any trouble adjusting. And you can get a guy like that behind the plate. Like I know you were saying before, shortstop is a uh, shallow place. But, uh, yeah, catcher is really pretty <laughs> barren. Um, so that would be pretty cool. But yeah, I think it was interesting that they brought him up. It's an interesting idea, just to like, oh, we have six games, we have an extra roster spot, let's, uh, right. let's see what he can do. And maybe last night wasn't the best, you know, sample because the Indians just pitched so badly. But um, it certainly got people excited, though. Right, and that's what I don't think anybody prospect has come up and had like a debut where people are like, ooh, I don't know this this uh, Kyle Schwarber, he can't hit at all. No, uh, so that's fine. Uh, one guy we should mention, and, you know, it's been tw- like 20 minutes. We have to give you your due. Eduardo Rodriguez is killing it. I think last time you were on, I asked you which prospects you were stashing in most of your leagues. I was thinking you were going to say somebody in the top half of, like, the MLB 100. And you said Eduardo Rodriguez, who I think was around 70. Um, it looks like he should have been higher now. What have uh, – what have you been thinking with uh, on Eduardo since he got the call? Well, Eduardo has made me look awfully smart. And, uh, well, part of that, you know, he's got four starts now. So his last start, obviously, we'll say, was, was not good. And he got he got hit around. But his first three starts were uh, him at his best. You know, I got uh, – I think I, when we were talking last time, uh, I had just watched him pitch in the minors – and I mean, he's got he's got wipeout stuff. He's got swing and miss stuff. Uh, he's got very good control. Um, you know, he he knows his pitches. He, he mixes them up well, and uh, you know everything about him uh, impressed me. And then when you look at the you know the peripheral stats all checked out, and that's why I was pretty confident that he was ahead of you know the other guys like the Henry Owens. Um, you know, the the Red Sox have a loaded minor league uh, system, uh, especially with starting pitchers, but I felt like Eduardo was ahead of everybody, and uh, he came up, and, and he's looked he's looked really, really comfortable. And, uh, th- you know, there's no reason that he's not going to stay up. You know, the Red Sox are struggling, so they're going to do, they're going to be on talent evaluation, and 
you know, he's he's a guy that I don't expect to fade. Uh, his all his numbers check out. Uh, his peripherals check out. The strikeout rate and swing and miss stuff is where you want it. And uh, he's he's a really good pitcher, and I think that he's going to be, uh, uh, you know, a number two type starter in this league for a long time. Yeah, uh, I remember when we talked last. I was like, okay, I should go look out for Eduardo Rodriguez. Somebody had him in one league. I picked him up in a few other. And just watching him sort of cruise along has been really nice, especially after the Ruby De La Rosa experience of last year, which, uh, you know, they have similar profiles. They're both big guys. I was like, I'm not sure how much stock I want to put into a Red Sox pitcher, but uh, I'm very glad I listened to you on that one because he's been a savior in a few of these leagues where I've just been demolished by pit, um, injuries. So, with having said that, and, you know, praising you, giving you your props, who's the, uh, where's my next uh, pitching ace coming from, Stefan? Who's the next guy coming up that I'm, uh, I should be hoarding? I mean, I don't think that there's any secret that, uh, that Matt's is on his way. Um, you know, he's been, he's been outstanding, uh, Especially lately, um, and again, we're talking we're talking about Mets, you know, uh, Mets Mets Uber prospect, uh, the guy that was second in line behind Syndergaard as far as their starting pitching uh, in the minors. But um, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, he's been pitching really well, um, but also Dylan G stinks, and <laughs> yeah, he, Dylan he really G just shouldn't be. He shouldn't be pitching for a team that is playing well, um, you know, a team that is in the thick of things as far as the season goes. And, uh, you know, there's there's just no there's no reasonable explanation for keeping Matt down any longer. So, I mean, what are we – we're at June. We're, like, middle of June. I would be shocked if he's not up by the beginning of July. And he's a guy who, you know, good strikeout numbers. He's a guy who will – produce and, and be a fantasy asset. So, I mean, he should be added in all but the shallowest of leagues. Yeah, I, I think the just the excitement the Mets have shown with Matt and how they're sort of moving people around. And uh, I think they got Dylan G's in the minors now because he's just been pitching poorly. I'm sure they're shopping Jonathan Neese um, or maybe going to another six-man rotation. I even heard, and I'm sure you heard this, that they wanted to put – Syndergaard in the bullpen to get Matts into the starting rotation, which just seems insane to me. Yeah, um, that's a little crazy. Yeah, well, he went out and probably was like, well, you want to put me in the bullpen? I'm going to strike out 11 uh, Cubs or whoever <laughs> they're playing and just completely shut this team down. Um, but he, but Matts, the Matts fever has gotten so high that they were considering they're putting their other super prospect out of his main role and putting him as a setup guy just to make room for him. It's pretty amazing. Because in right. any other season, Syndergaard's the guy getting called up right now, and everybody's freaking out about how, like his strikeout potential. And people probably even forget he's a rookie this year. Like him and Addison Russell and Chris Bryant have been up for so long that they're just they're just major league players now. That people are forgetting these guys are rookies too. Um, right. But Matt's man, his numbers in that in Triple A. It's like a sub two ERA. That's impressive considering but he's uh, he's at two eleven now. And uh, yeah, I mean it is. Go, go ahead, sorry to cut you off. No, no, I was just gonna say it's what the Pacific Coast League, which is notoriously right. friendly. Uh, Syndergaard's exactly. ERA, I think, was 
four last year um, in the same place, and Matt has just completely shut down everybody's face. So yeah. I think he is definitely ready. And man, that Mets rotation, if when they get Zach Wheeler back. Uh, yeah, holy cow, man. I mean, you're talking about Syndergaard's as the number five, Matt's as the number four. I mean, unbelievable. And then, yeah, with the way DeGrom is sort of developed, like. Right. I mean, DeGrom has to be in the MVP conversation right now. Uh, the guy's pitching out of his mind. Yeah, man. He is. I wonder where he would if season ended today. I wonder what he, how many Cy Young votes he would get. Um, oh, I think he'd get a lot. It's interesting because he wasn't a super prospect last year when they were like, "Oh, we need to pull up a pitcher." People thought it'd be Syndergaard. They're like, "We'll bring up this guy to Grom." Mets seem <laughs> like they know they don't know what they're doing with hitting. They can't hit, but they know how to pitch. Yeah. Those those Metropolitans. Uh, all right, so obviously Matt. Is there any uh, other? Pitchers out there who, you know, still in the minors, you might want to uh, take a flyer on. I know you said Luis Severino last time. He's still down there. But the Yankees seem to be able to pitch somehow. Um, right, right. And that's going to hold him off. Uh, he also was dealing with a shoulder strain uh, lately, which I think he got scratched from his last start. So um, he's not in danger of coming up anytime uh, in the immediate future. Um, you know, I mean, I hate to, I always hate to, to say this, but it's, it's really, it's, there's not a guy that, like, is a no-brainer ad that, that might be coming up soon. The only guy that I can think of that might have some fantasy value is probably Andrew Haney uh, from the Angels. Um, he's a guy who has been kind of up and down in the minors this year. Um, so his, his ERA is four three nine, which isn't great, but his uh, his fielding independent pitching is uh, 3.01, so he has been a little bit unlucky, and you know, it's, it's not the best environment, it's not the worst environment, he's he's getting about close to uh, a K per inning in the minor so far this year. He's got a decent pedigree, uh, he's a fairly well thought of pitcher, and uh, so he's a guy who I would keep an eye on, but not somebody that I'm, you know, racing to the waiver wire to add, but I would expect that he comes up in July. Okay. I can see that. He was pretty high on people's uh, lists, I remember, last year with the Marlins, thinking he could sort of be, be the next Jose Fernandez. But um, yeah, it didn't work out too great. No. The guy, one of the pitchers that has come up that I am a big fan of, um, I know a lot of people don't see the strikeout numbers with him, so they're not super, super impressed with Chi-Chi Gonzalez. Um, Chi-Chi. But I think he's pitched, what, three games, and he's gone eight innings or more in all of them. Um, sometimes you just got to take the results and say, you know, things are looking good for Chi-Chi. He, uh, I'm sure people weren't probably thinking he would show up this year. But what, um, A, what have you seen from him that, you know, how he's pitched so far, and B, what do you sort of expect for his uh, rest of the season? Is he a guy we should be just sort of streaming in, or is he somebody you might want to keep on your roster whole all year round in these deeper leagues? Well, I, I hate to break it to you, Travis, but uh, he's a guy who, if you own him in any league, do whatever you can to trade him for something useful right now while <laughs> you still can. Um, yeah. Yes, you know, the eight-inning streak is impressive. He's got a 0.9 ERA, but 
when you look at his peripheral numbers, his his expected his fielding independent pitching is four point one seven. So we're talking about three point two seven runs higher than his actual ERA. Uh, he has been enormously lucky through three starts. Um, you almost never see that kind of disparity between an ERA and a, a FIP. So uh, my as, as much as as good of a story as it is, uh, when you mix that with the fact that he doesn't strike anybody out, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, his uh, left his left on base rate is ninety five percent. So when people are getting on, they're not scoring. Which, I mean, I don't know much about left on base rate, but I think that's pretty unsustainable. No, but really, there's, there's there's no way he's going to strand that many runners. I think league average is somewhere around 70%. So um, those numbers are definitely going to climb. I don't really expect much from Alex Chichi Gonzalez the rest of the way. But um, for long term, obviously he's not going to be – he was the Rangers' best pitcher, pitching prospect. What uh, If you're in a dynasty league with Chichi, what – what type of future are you seeing with him? Because I, this year might not be his his crowning achievement, but obviously he'll probably get better. That FIP will come down over time. What um, what can you expect holding him in a dynasty league? I mean, it really depends on the tenor of your dynasty league. If, if guys are really, really prospect hungry, I would still try to trade him now because I have a hard time seeing ever in his career if his value going to be like it is now because we're talking about him having – Nothing but good starts since he got to the majors. You know, there isn't any blemish that you can point to so far this season and say, oh, yeah, but this might really be the guy who he is. So if you've got people that are beating down the door for prospects, you know, try and try and pull a trade off with them and, and, and move him for some value. And, you know, pump up his, you know, his, his few starts of the debut so far because you might be able to get something out of it. But I, I don't expect this is going to be a guy that we're going to be talking about uh, for years to come as as an elite fantasy option. Yeah, in four starts, he's struck out a whopping 10 people. So that, that should show you a little something about where uh, – and strikeouts are the king when it comes to pitching. Absolutely. He has pitched really well against both the Dodgers and the Kansas City Royals, so maybe he will have a you know starting pitcher three upside eventually. Um. I love that his name is Chi-Chi, so I'm, I just think that it's great to see that in your roster when you go to scroll through and see how your team's doing. But, right. yeah. I mean, I I think that his ceiling, like when I watch him, the the only thing that I can compare as his ceiling is that at his best he might be like a Doug Fister type, you know, not a very good source of strikeouts, a guy that pitches to contact. Um you know, Fister has done that effectively. He's not a bad pitcher. I mean, he's a really good real-life pitcher, uh, but, you know, not necessarily a fantasy-dominant force. Yeah, he's never. He's not going to have the upside of some of these other guys. Right. Um, so, you know, if he, I'm sure he'll blow up at some point. So I, I think you should definitely take Stefan's advice here, maybe try to, you know, sell him off high, package him, and see what you can get. Because there are a lot of, you know, buy-low pitchers out there. Uh, Doug Anderson just put a, put something up on so-called fantasy experts 
detailing some of his targets. Uh, his top target, Carlos Carrasco, who I just traded for, so I'm feeling good. Um, Love so, yeah. Carrasco. Yeah, I was uh, I was waffling there for a while because I had to give up James Shields. And, you know, Shields is good, too. I think Carrasco will just be better. But, man, the way he pitched down the stretch last year, it's like, uh, okay, uh, I'm willing to take a, a, a bet on, a flyer on this. But we're not talking about we're not talking about established people here tonight. Uh, all right, back to the prospects. Who is in your mind the best prospect still in the minors? That uh, like if because I'm looking at the list right now, a lot of guys have been called up. So I'm wondering who, if you did the rankings of minor leaguers today, who would get your number one spot? Would it be uh, Corey Seager, Giolito? Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, it's for me, it's Seager, and there's, I mean, there's not much left for this guy to prove in the minors. He's he's hitting three twenty five. He's got a nine oh eight OPS. Uh, you know, again, you know, infield uh, eligibility. Uh, not as much speed as as a guy like Correa, um, but the power and contact numbers are there. Um, you know, at this point, Jimmy Rollins is. I mean, he's not playing well. You know, we're talking about an aging veteran. I mean, he's really going to have to step his game up to to hold Seager off much longer, I think. Um, And, you know, I think for me, Seager is a guy that I stash in in any league I really can. Um, We're talking about a guy who's probably going to get a July call up. uh, You know, we're not too far off for Seager. And, uh, you know, he's another difference-making bat at a, you know, infield position where there aren't a lot of them. So, if you're trying to, you know, grab a guy that, you know, there's not much out on your wire to make a difference and and he's out there, grab him and stash him for a couple of weeks and it's going to pay dividends for you because this guy can hit, man. I think Jimmy Rollins is an interesting situation here. Or if he really wants to hold off uh, Seager, he's going to obviously have to play better. But I, I think Seager getting called up is inevitable. I don't think he can play second or third because they have so many, the Dodgers that is, have so many high-priced Cuban imports that have to play somewhere. Right. Um, I know they've been playing Oliveira at third in a lot of the minor league games. I think they're going to consider moving Guerrero to left field, and they have Howie Kendrick they just brought in at second. So, honestly, short's probably where it's going to be for Seager. But I think yep. if he does get the uh, the starting gig over Rollins, Rollins could be a really nice mentor to him, and that could be huge for his fantasy value, just having someone to sort of, sort of you know, walk him through a lot of the stuff that most rookies probably don't uh, don't know how to handle right away. So uh, the, right. the mental thing with him, and also his brother, who is less heralded, Kyle Seeger, is uh, killing it in Seattle. So I don't, I think there's a family that's worth owning in fantasy baseball. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I am really excited to see when some more of these prospect lists come out because one cool thing about when people get called up is that new guys go to the top and then new pe- and people freak out about the, the number one guy again. Um, I don't know if there's going to be another Chris Bryant or Corey uh, Seager or uh, Carlos Correa up at the top, but, you know, we'll find out about some new guys who uh, can, who can have probably we'll have the discussions about them next year like we're having right now. Uh, who else is called up? Ah, Francisco Lindor. It's an interesting case. 
because I'm sure people look at these lists, they see he's number four, number five on a lot of them. A lot of that's because of his uh, his glove work out of short. Mm-hmm. I see people say he, you know, he has a low ceiling. Oh, he can't. He's not Carlos Correa. But I think people are for sort of overlooking that he does have modest value for this year and definitely some high value for going forward. Um, what are you What are you projecting for Lindor the next couple of years and you know the rest of this season? Yeah, for, I mean for me, Lindor is a futures play. Um, he's not a guy. If you're in a single season league, um, I mean, of course, if you're hurting at shortstop, you would add him. But uh, he's not a guy that that I would expect a whole lot of this year. Um, very similar to Buxton, uh, and and actually similar expectations for him this year is. A guy who will probably steal you some bases. I mean, he certainly has has good speed, um, but also like Buxton, he's going to stick in the lineup because of of his defense and not uh, his ability to hit. So, um, you know, he's not going to hit for high average. He's not going to give you much power, um, but he's he's going to s- steal some bags for you. So, you know, in in a shallow shortstop pool, that can still be useful. But again, he's you know in a single season league, I'm not beating the door down for him. In you know future play like dynasty or keeper, yeah, of course. I mean, he's, he's definitely got value um, because you expect that that hit tool to uh, mature uh, as he he gets a little older and gets a little more experience here. But um, you know, it's 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 not going to be anything even approaching the realm of Carlos Correa or even Seager if he gets the call at short. So uh, you know, you got to temper your expectations with him. Yeah, I think it's been interesting to see sort of how other writers and other, you know, scouts have sort of profiled Lindor. Some people, like, wouldn't stay away from him at all costs because they think he's just going to be a defense-first guy, like a D.D. Gregorius or an Anderlton Simmons. Other people think, oh, he can hit. He's uh, he had really high contact rates in the minors. He doesn't strike out a lot. And he has speed. He doesn't have Byron Buxton speed or Billy Hamilton speed, but he can steal bases. So it will be interesting to see, A, how it plays out for him. I think he's he stole a base, hit an RBI last night. So far tonight he's scored a run um, from on a double from first. So we can he, the guy can move. But I don't think you're going to want to supplant like a, uh, I don't know, probably Neil Walker or some of those guys that they maybe bought high and have been struggling. I don't know if you want to bump them out for, let's say, Neil Walker. Would uh, – right be a good example because I can't think of anybody else. But I'm not sure you want to, you know, sell off Neil Walker and say, all right, I'm turning over the reins to you, Francisco Lindor. Um, no, absolutely not. I'd, I'd much rather Neil Walker for just this season than Lindor. It is pretty interesting, though, that how it, I guess now it sort of came out that it was probably Super 2 deadlines why they held them out so long. But Jose Ramirez, who was the Indian shortstop before him, was abysmal in the two and a half months. <laughs> I think he finished with like a 187 average, maybe up to 210, I think is the highest it got. Uh, he was supposed to be a skills guy. He didn't get on base. He didn't score runs. He was the contact guy. He didn't hit. I really thought they'd bring him up earlier just because this was supposed to be uh, the year Cleveland made the playoffs again, sort of made a little bit of a run. And those pitching numbers we were talking, uh, those, those some FIP numbers, or Correa, or Kluber, or Trevor Bauer, are pretty terrible because their defense in the infield was so bad. It just seemed Francisco Lindor was the obvious fix to a lot of things. 
But once again, money has complicated things, and now we're just getting a taste of him, and he's probably a total afterthought. Um, he's probably the third best rookie shortstop this year. So yeah. I think uh, he's a nice long-term play, but I agree. I'm not too overly excited for him this season. Um, one other guy from the middle infield who I think offers some nice value, and I know we were talking a little bit about him before the show and through email was Jose Peraza for Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I first heard about him when the Yankees wanted to trade for him, like I think in March or something, and Atlanta was like, absolutely not. Um I'm sure a lot of people don't know a ton about Peraza, so why don't you, you know, enlighten us on what uh, what could be, who could be showing up in Atlanta soon? Right. Well, so this was a guy who, uh, up until this year, was a second baseman in the minors, and that was kind of his natural position. That's where everybody expected him to be. And coming into the year, uh, a lot of people kind of presumed that Jace uh, Peterson was just a placeholder for him. Uh, until Peraza was ready to come up. And turns out that Jason's actually played pretty well for the, the Braves, so there there really wasn't any motivation to move him. And actually what they ended up doing was they moved Peraza, that converted him now to an outfielder in, in the minors. Um, naturally, you would assume he'd be a center fielder, but because of Maven, uh, you know, patrolling center field for the Braves, he's actually going to be playing probably left field. Uh, which is odd for a you know a small speedster like him that was a natural second baseman, but yeah, um, the speed is legit. He's got 17 steals uh, in about 200 plate appearances uh, in the minors this year. So I mean that's I mean th- that those are great numbers. Um, you know that's that's 50 plus steal pace. So. Uh, for a full season, so that's uh, I mean that's definitely enticing. And, you know, he'll still carry his second base uh, eligibility when he gets up in the fantasy game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you definitely have to have to pay attention to him. Um, he is a guy that, you know, I expect another guy that I expect will be up probably in July here. So, um, you know, if you need steals, they're going to be readily available on the market as far as, you know, rookies go. How much more value does he offer in the middle infield over Lindor, let's say? Um, I I think a little bit more for this season because while Lindor is quick, uh, Peraza's game is kind of based on his speed. Um, he's a natural base stealer. Uh, that's his craft. I mean, he's not on the, the – um, caliber of a Billy Hamilton, but he has the same kind of approach to his game. So I, I just think that they'll be much more aggressive with him. Um, also, in the NL, he'll have more opportunities as a pinch runner, things of that yeah. nature. So so I do think that if you're just looking at this season, he's probably going to carry more value from the time that he gets up to the end of the season. I think that's pretty interesting how the uh, Braves are just sort of trying to fit their best players all into the one lineup. Right. Proud should be interesting. Um, living in New York, I was pretty, I was hopeful for the one day where the Atlanta Braves <laughs> hadn't just blatantly been like, we're absolutely not trading him to you um, because you have nothing to trade us in return. Uh, so he should be an interesting sort of guy. 
especially with the with his steel potential. And right around July is when you teams or fantasy teams sort of realize, all right, here's what I'm missing. Here's what I need to get. And instead of having to go out and trade for something like uh, Billy Hamilton, you give up a lot. You can hopefully pick up a Peraza and not get all the steals Hamilton will give you, but get enough where it might be able to help patch a hole in your team. Um, and that's right. really is what one of the most fun thing about prospects is besides forecasting what they can be is when they actually do start playing, seeing what that, uh, their potential can sort of turn into. Um, but I asked you before who you are most excited about or not excited about, but surprised about. And you said Schwarber, um, I wanted to make this point then. I just think we got sidetracked. But the thing that's really surprised me with these uh, prospect call-ups are the Astros and their pitcher. Uh, I know Lance McCullers has been up for a while, but they just brought up Vincent Velasquez. Uh, and I guess they're going for it this year. What? Um, they were not names that I had heard, really, a lot before this season. Um, let's start with McCullers. What? Uh, think he can keep up this... ERA, I think is what it has now. Well, I don't, I don't know about the two ERA, but uh, I, I do, I mean, I do believe that he is a, a, a good pitcher. Um, uh, this isn't, this isn't like totally out of left field. I mean, he, he did put up uh, solid numbers, uh, you know, peripheral numbers, especially in the minors. Um, you know, he's another guy that kind of made uh, a quick jump, though. Another guy that. Uh, skip AAA, and that seems to be kind of a, a recurring theme. Um, you know, a lot of the guys that we've talked about tonight actually jumped from AA to, to the majors. So, um, but when he was at uh, Corpus Christi, I mean, he put up you know video game numbers. Uh, he had a .62 ERA and a WHIP of .897. So, I mean, this isn't like a guy that you know. It just got to the majors and started blowing up. I mean, he's he's been uh, he's been pitching impressively for a while here. Yeah, I'm looking at his uh, stats. It actually looks like he was in high A last year. Pitched ten game or no six games in double A, and then is in the majors. So yeah. the Astros saw enough to to you know bump him up that quickly. He must have uh, some talent. Is his FIP right now is 2.33, and his ERA is at 2. His left on base is 77. I know we were talking about Chi-Chi before with his 97 left on base. So that's probably – it'll probably go down a little bit, but that's far more sustainable right. than – that's but, almost but like even, average. Right. I mean, even even if his ERA goes up a full run because of that to, to a little over 3, I mean, in the AL, an ERA of 3 is, is pretty, pretty good, and, and he's striking guys out, so – you know that's not uh, that's not something I would be all that concerned about. Yeah, and uh, like we we've said many times, the Astros are calling people up and they're winning games, and they're scoring right. runs. So he's going to get the wins. He's going to have opportunity to win games and pitch with the and lead. And they have a good bullpen. Cool. Yeah, the, it's weird saying praising the Astros so much, um, but the guy that's been more a question to me has been Vincent Velasquez. Um, What's his profile look like? I know he's only been up for a couple of weeks, but what have you? What are your thoughts on that? The Astros' second pitching prospect they brought up this season. Well, I was I was pretty excited that they were uh, calling him up. Um, he, he's 
not, not wasn't regarded as an elite prospect, but he was a guy that was solidly in the top 100. I think he was in the 60s or so uh, in in Keith Law's preseason uh, report. But you know, he's a guy who, um, so far in in his uh, he's on he's only started two games, so it's it's hard to to really. Yeah draw any conclusions from that. But uh yeah, he passes the eye test. Uh you know, four six six ERA through just two games. Um his fifth is in the threes somewhere I believe. But uh you know he he was an, he again another guy who skipped triple A altogether. He came straight out of double A Corpus Christi, um where he also had incredible numbers, one point three seven ERA, uh point nine one whip and uh you know striking guys out and uh at a and well over uh what was his K nine? Um uh twelve point six strikeouts per nine, so I mean that certainly checks off all the boxes. So it's another guy that uh he's had one good start, one bad start so far, but uh I expect more good than bad out of him. Yeah. It's always kinda of tough, obviously judging a pitcher off of two two starts, but he being able to strike people out like he does, um uh, I think bodes well for his his time in the majors. And again, that Astro team, it's trending up. So if you can get a pitcher, a young guy on their team, that would probably be a good a good idea because that team looks like it can be good for a really long time. It might just be Astros, Cubs, World Series is for the next like fifteen years or something, based on how many prospects each of these teams <laughs> has. It could be really yeah, boring they, for the rest they of They used to be in the same division. That would have been incredible. Oh wow, yeah. God, well, good. Maybe this is why they split them up because they could the the geniuses in Major League Baseball could see what was coming down the pike in six years or whenever they split them up. Um, well, the Cardinals could see it sooner, I guess. The Cardinals, yes, because they were reading all their emails and, and scouting <laughs> reports. That's such a strange thing like, to just hack yeah. another team. It's not like it's not like in football or something where you can find their plays. I guess you could steal their signs. Well, you steal medical records. I mean, that that does actually matter, and you steal uh, scouting reports. I mean, those those are things that actually can glean you an advantage. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's that was a bizarre story. It really, and especially that they were going after the Astros. They weren't like uh, hacking right. the Giants or something like or the Nationals. Right. Like we're going after the Astros. Uh, to see who who they're trying to pay less money out of the draft slot. Um, all right, the last guy I wanted to just touch on, and I, he may not even make it to the major leagues this year, but I've heard some really good things about him, is Aaron Noah in Philadelphia. Um, mm-hmm. He sort of seemed to be the heir apparent to Cole Hamels, which a lot of people think will eventually be traded. Um, the Phillies have a nice little core of a few good prospects, Nola came from LSU. What uh, what do we think his overall? Obviously, if he doesn't get called up this year, he's not. We don't need to think about his this season production. But right. over the next couple of seasons, where do we think he can become a Cole Hamels? Do you, like, is he going to be that able to carry a uh, rotation, or is he going to need somebody else by his side? Uh, I, I mean, I think that his he has ceiling as being a number two type starter. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying a Cole Hamels. One of the things that uh, that that he lacks is, is the pure strikeout stuff. Um, not that it's terrible, but but you're talking about uh, 
about seven strikeouts per nine. Um, so I mean that's that's still plenty plenty good, but it's not uh, it's not elite strikeout stuff. So, um, but you know what his his stuff is sharp. Uh, he gets a lot of movement on his secondary pitches, um, and uh, he's we're looking at pretty impressive numbers in Double A right now of one eight eight. ERA and uh, a .887 um, uh, WHIP and and you know I, I did get a chance. Uh, I live in the Philadelphia area, so I've had a chance to check him out uh, twice now, uh, pitching in Reading. And um, you know he's got he's got the kind of stuff that's deceptive enough that uh, batters have a hard time squaring it up, and not necessarily are fooled by it, but they have a hard time squaring it up. So uh, yeah, no, he has. He definitely has a, a future as being a, a very good pitcher in this league. Well, I, I look forward to seeing him. I know Ruben Amaro. I think just keeps saying, "Nope, he's not coming up. Nope, we're not going to call him up now. You'll maybe see him in September. There's no way we're calling him up. Um, that may be a smokescreen because a lot of these uh, right. nobody really wants to know what's going on." And I just have a hard time believing general managers. Like, I have a hard time believing the Texas general managers. Like, oh, we're going to send Joey Gallo back down. Like, I don't I don't think they'll probably send right. Gallo back down. Um, if Schwarber was up for more than the six games, I'd have a hard time believing they were sending him back down. Uh, just because it's the, D, the DH, if he's, the position he's playing in the AL parks, I think he'll probably get sent back down. But I take everything these GMs say with a grain of salt. And uh, right. It, I mean, especially especially Amaro, and and they're coming off an embarrassing nineteen to three loss to the Orioles, where they had uh, position player throw fifty pitches. I mean, the, the Phillies are a dumpster fire. So I mean, there they, there's really no reason for them not to give Noah a shot at some point here. Um, they have literally nothing to lose. They're they're a terrible team with very little drawing people to the stadium. So it's not a you know, it's 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 not like uh, there's there's any real sensible reason not to give him a shot. Yeah, actually, this is the last guy I want to talk about. Not even so much about his stats or his ability, but the strange saga of Trey Turner's uh, eventual move to the Nationals has finally been completed. Um, <laughs> if you don't know what that what I'm talking about, when Will Myers and the Steven Souza trade got, you know, finalized in December or whatever. The Padres gave the Nationals a player to be named later. That player was Trey Turner. But since he was drafted in the 2014 draft in June, you can't get traded until a year later. So he's been in the Padres double-A team for like four months, just waiting to finally move to the Nationals. He knew he was going. We knew he was going. Like a weird, a weird rule that they couldn't actually trade him. So I don't know if they actually like – you know, tried to develop him at all because they knew he was leaving right. or uh, what. But, you know, I don't know what's happening with Ian Desmond, but he actually could end up being the national starting shortstop in a year or two if uh, if they let Desmond go and whatever happens with Wilmer Defoe. It just was a weird, weird saga. I'm just happy he made it to Washington safe and sound. <laughs> uh, any last thoughts on the uh, the massive – Exodus of prospects this uh, last month. Well, one one guy that we didn't talk about, but you did just touch on him a second ago. Um, you know, it, it does it, it is worth just quickly touching on Joey Gallo. Um, I mean, the, the, 
he's he hasn't been up for too long. But uh, I mean, he's showing what everybody already knew about Joey Gallo, right? I mean, the guy's got insane power. I mean, he's yeah. hitting baseballs to areas of the stadium that nobody has ever reached before. Um, but you know, he's also if you watch him, I mean, he clearly is not particularly disciplined and. Uh, you know, whether that's actually going to result in him getting sent down, I'm skeptical like you are. I mean, I, I have a feeling that he's going to be around um, because, first of all, he's exciting, and second of all, uh, you know, they're playing well right now, and, and why mess that up? So, um, you know, I would hold on Joey Gallo. If the the owner of Joey Gallo seems to think he is going to get sent down, then, uh, you know, I would I would be a guy – Oh man, Kyle Schwarber just hit a home run. Ah, oh, damn it, Kyle Schwarber! <laughs> I picked him you just up. Derailed mid- my Joey Gallo thoughts. <laughs> I picked him up midweek, and now he's chewing it. Damn it! I couldn't even play him. That was a two-run Boy. home run too. Off yeah, Salazar. Yes, oh, he's just my, This is killing my week. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Joey Gallo can hit the ball far too. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Stefan, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm sure once we uh, get a better sense of who's still left in the minors and maybe, you know, some of these recent draftees and where they may slot into the future ranks. Once you get it on another podcast and talk about that good stuff. Um, this has been fun. I've enjoyed, you know, finding out all all your possible future players that I should pick up immediately because you apparently know the future. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So thank you for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure. Um, Absolutely, man. No, go go ahead. Finish your thought. I was just going to sign off. I was going to say, I was going to say, I mean, I I always enjoy this, and uh, this has been a really exciting season from the the prospect angle. Uh, You know, last season was a little bit uh, dry, so uh, this has been a really fun season to to write about and to interact with uh, folks on Twitter about. So I hope it keeps going, and and just sit back and enjoy – the wave of the future here. Yeah, I'm going to look up once we get off, like when the last time this many top prospects got called up, just see like if this is un- how unprecedented this may be. But for the so-called fantasy experts, I'm Travis Festor. He is Stefan Zonia. You can find us on Twitter. We'll gladly talk to you. And you can find our writing on socalledfantasyexperts.com. I know I promised you guys an outro track. But I moved last week. Literally, I had to move all my stuff, get new internet, which is really a pain to get someone to come out and set up internet, so I haven't had time. I'll try to get it for you next week. You can listen to some nice tunes as we sort of just fade out. But thanks for tuning in. We will catch you again next week. This is for the Home Run the Jewels Fantasy Baseball Podcast.